Hello, this is Real Estate Insights, the podcast from Savills that looks at all the issues in the property world, no matter how thorny. And today, ahead of the annual gathering of the great and the good of the warehousing world at Shedmasters later this month, we're asking, is the supply of warehousing reaching breaking point? And if it is, what can developers, investors and occupiers do about that? Last year, I think the average take-up rate on big boxes was actually negative. So on average, warehouses were being let prior to completion. The demand for the construction materials, the contractors to do it, the labourers that are physically using the equipment is, is under pressure as well. There's certainly a flight to prime, a flight to quality. So with ESG high on many occupiers' agendas, the warehouses from which they operate must also be net carbon zero. I'm Guy Ruddle and I'm joined by three people steeped in the industrial and logistics sector and who between them cover everything from investment through building to the occupation and operation of warehouses. Let's start with Charlie Foster. He's a director in Savile's industrial investment team. He works with pension funds, property companies and private family trusts and the like on the sale and acquisition of industrial property. Charlie, welcome to the podcast. Hi Guy, thank you much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Will Cooper is a director in the building and project consultancy team. His focus is on the delivery of commercial buildings in the UK. Will, hello. Hi, Guy. And Jack Booth is a director in the industrial and logistics agency team. So he spends his time helping clients with sales and acquisitions, as well as planning and funding. Jack, welcome to Real Estate Insights. Good afternoon, Guy. So let's get into this. We're talking about the supply of warehousing and the sort of crisis, can I say crisis, of of a, a lack of supply compared to demand. You each have boots on the ground you know you're out there in the field are all your clients talking about this all the time is the issue of supply something that everybody's talking about all the time jack i think uh you know it is certainly a topical issue um you know most of the listeners uh, listening in on this will be acutely aware of the issues that brexit that covid have brought on particularly with the uh, demand for, for warehousing space. So absolutely, it is at the top of the agenda for many of our clients at the moment. And do you, Will or Charlie, do you, can you give us an idea of how, you know, how big a problem it is, you know, in terms of, I mean, I don't know whether there are numbers which, which, which help with that. Well, yeah, from on the investment side of things, the greatest impact in my market is the um, the impact on rental growth. So um, huge demand, limited supply, rental growth is has been tracking up for, for probably the past six years now. Um, and some London boroughs are up to double digit um, rental for, forecasts for the next couple of years. Um, and that's really, that's the, the main driver of the um, pricing that we're seeing in the capital markets. So, I mean, that's that's got to be an indication that there is just nothing, I mean, nothing like enough supply in the market. I think there was something like 50 million square feet of warehousing take up the last two years, and at least that predicted this year and, and probably more next year. On the building side, Will, uh, you know, the, the, it's obvious that there's a, there's a lot of demand. <laughs> Go out and build more. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And that's, that's what all our clients are saying, the developers and investors we're, we're working for want, want the kit up. They want it up yesterday. Um, unfortunately, most developers and investors are doing exactly the same. So the demand for the construction materials, uh, the the contractors to do it, the labourers that are physically using using the equipment is is under pressure as well. Um, in a similar way that demand is driving the rental growth, it's driving cost. There's the sort of the more 
uh, obvious immediate cost increases. Steel has sort of more than doubled in the last probably 18 months, which has a knock-on effect on build cost. But also, because there's so much demand out there, the the supply chain, whether it's the main contractors or subcontractors, are you know taking taking larger margins necessarily, um, or or having the ability to rather than you know having to to cut everything back to the to the bone to make sure they win the projects. There's a lot more out there. Will are you are you sorry are you finding that developers are having to compromise on certain materials to, to enable? projects to be delivered on time it's it's certainly a consideration uh, we've had instances where we've uh, not necessarily going back to uh, an, an old material as as you say but i don't think we've ever considered specification of products because of the time scales and the procurement the lead-in as much as we are now we're, we're getting farther down the supply chain than ever before to hit the deliveries we need there are sort of two areas, sort of ways I want to look at this. One is one is a sort of type of warehousing, you know, the, the, or the type of development that's going on, and the other is the the person in the market. Just just on the people in the market, on the investment side, Charlie, the the the, the what I'm hearing is it's 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 hard to build, but it's and it's more expensive to build, but rents are you know yields are going to be fantastic. So is is there is there plenty of money? Looking to look, you know, looking for a home in this market. Yeah, yeah, there is absolutely, guy. I think last year total returns in the industrial sector were at thirty-one percent. So all industrial total returns thirty-one percent. Now that's um, a split between capital returns and uh, rental, um, and clearly rental growth at the moment is um, is what's driving um, future returns as well. So investors are seeking to um, access the market in order to capture that rental growth going forward. So that money. Is it looking for particular areas? Is it looking for sort of speculative build, or is it looking for ex- existing stock, or you know, it, it, does it have a particular home? Uh, there's a home for it everywhere, really. I mean, the market is awash with capital seeking the seeking to access the market. So um, there's dry core return money um, from the from the funds and the institutions looking for pre-let long secure income. But then equally at the other end of the uh, of the, uh, the spectrum, there's plenty of capital out there seeking to speculatively fund schemes. Now, this is being seen as a uh, an opportunity to access the market in a slightly less crowded environment. Um, and given the underlying occupational fundamentals, and I think we'll probably come on to uh, take-up rates at the moment. So last year, I think the average take-up rate on big boxes was actually negative. So um, on average, warehouses were being let uh, prior to PC. Um, so therefore, once yes, so can you can I just w- explain that? So, so you, there's, a, there's a thing called the void, the, you know, the, the, the void rate, which is the amount of time between something's finished and it's occupied, right. and the the figure was negative. So theoretically, stuff was occupied before it was finished. Yeah, on our, that, now that's on average. Obviously, there are some schemes that would have um, obviously taken some time post PC, but on average, last year schemes were letting prior to PC. Um, what, sorry, what is PC? Uh, sorry, uh, practical completion. Yeah. So obviously, the impact there on developers, if they know that they can build these schemes and get them let up in short order and then exit that scheme, then they uh, can then recycle that capital and move on to the next scheme. So clearly, it's uh, it's all part of the, the process. Jack, from the occupier side, you know we've talked quite a lot about new development, and you know because we are, t- I know we're talking about supply, and that one tends to think of new stuff. It's my technical term. That's a very real estate insights technical <laughs> yeah, type yeah. term. But what about? I mean, if there is this, you know, shortage of supply, what about existing stock? You know that 
presumably there's lots of different types of existing stock. Is the stuff that needs to be repurposed to be fit for purpose, or or is it all being well used already? I think with within the markets that I primarily focus on, so the southeast and London supply is extremely low um, across all size bands. We're we're definitely seeing occupiers are focusing, or there's certainly a flight to prime, a flight to quality. So with ESG high on many occupiers' agendas, the, the warehouses from which they operate must also be net carbon zero and um, you know offer the same level of credentials that they are promoting. So <clears throat> I think to answer the question there's a lot of uh, there's, there's a lot of emphasis on building new supply prime supply and those second hand obsolete buildings are um, are sort of being knocked down and redeveloped where possible there's two schools of thought on that obviously a, a new building built to to current building regulations and exceeding it in very many instances is is going to be more sustainable to operate from you've got lower heating bills lower heat gain etc cetera, etc cetera. But the flip side of that is two of your biggest elements of, of your building are your concrete floor slab and your and your steel frame or concrete frame, but predominantly steel. And the embodied carbon that's in there is now something people are starting to take a lot more attention of. So, you know, the, the knock it over, demolish it, crush the concrete and then build a new one. There's so much embodied carbon in there. And it's and it's almost like you're, you know, you're doing your sort of your, your capex versus your return with with your money. You can almost be doing the same with your carbon. So, you know, to, your building would have to be a heck of a lot more sustainable to offset that yeah. carbon from the, you know, from the redevelopment. Uh, Charlie, do you, do the do investors care about ESG? Increasingly, they do. Yeah, I think probably a couple of years ago it was perhaps a bit more of a, a minor buzzword, but it wasn't necessarily a driver of um, investment rationale. Now, increasingly, I'd say perhaps even with the um, post COP twenty six, it now seems to be far more in the in the forefront of investors' minds. Um, there's one particular scheme I can think of that's being. Um, branded as a net zero carbon development and again that's got huge investment uh, interest in the scheme it's not finished yet but it's little you know little bits like that now are actually really starting to drive that that, that rationale what i'd like to do briefly before we get on to our feature of tell me something i don't know uh, is talk about potential solutions i mean for you charlie it's not an issue, right? It sounds like solutions. We're fine. We're we're fine. You know, for the investment side, it's fine. Is that right? Or the other worries that that the investors have about this situation? Uh, I think the concerns investors have are accessing investment stock, and it's not. It's less. It's less correlated to the actual supply side issue that we we've been discussing today. Investors, or and certainly agents, are a, a fickle bunch. We we forget from year to year. Um, you know, we're in the same same spot as we were last year. Last January, we we sat down and thought, right, where are the where are the sellers in this market? Um, we know there's plenty of uh, buyers out there, and yet the the market ended up doing 17 billion in in um, transaction volumes. Again, this year we're start, you know we've had a very rapid start to the year, um, and the market will continue to transact. So for us, it's less of an issue. Um, it's more just finding the investment stock. So for you two, Jack and, and Will, in uh, uh, you know on the build side, Will, and on the you know buying and selling for for people who occupies jack what is is there a solution or is this just something that has to be it has to be lived with for for now well, i think you know clearly we need more supply and with 
with speculative development at a at a sort of levels that they are currently, it's going, it's going to be hard to sustain unless we look at releasing more land for development, which is a, a planning issue, and alternatively, you know, looking at obsolete sites such as retail parks that are no longer fit for purpose, which are very land hungry, that may have a more suitable use for logistics, last mile, and um, and warehousing going forward. Yeah, there's some nodding going on from you, Will, at that. I mean, Jack said it. I mean, the first thing is is having the land available, getting it through the planning process. But once that's happened, it's it's uh, facilitating the the construction, looking at how the the, the sites can be made development ready. Yep, there's a there's a, an investment there. It's a risk, but from what we're hearing from from these two guys, the risk is relatively limited because the occupiers are there and someone's going to come along and buy it. So look at looking at each site in its own um on its own merits and looking at what can be done so either when an occupier comes or there's a further commitment to start spending proper money and and, and spec build it happens quicker time now for tell me something i don't know this uh, little feature that we have where where uh, you just come up with you've got to come up with a little a little thought that sort of shines a light on uh, on the situation or whatever you've all prepared something have you? you've all been warned in advance we haven't caught you by surprise uh, where should we all start we got uh, doesn't this is, this is a podcast so from my left doesn't really matter but jack Tell me something I don't know. Well, look, given the, the issues around supply that we've just talked about, I, I'm going to suggest that in most areas across London now, land values for industrial and warehousing are greater than residential. No. Really? Not at all, Mark. It's clearly not in Kensington. But many, <laughs> many, many areas around around London, yes. As a property owner in South London, I might find that a bit depressing. Will, <laughs> tell me something I don't know. Apart from the fact we could perhaps convert your house into a warehouse. Uh, Great, thanks. That could be a starting I'll point. tell Mrs Ruddle. <laughs> um, I'm going to say something I've been saying for, for years, which is, you know, letting these buildings now is probably easier than it's ever been. Uh, funding the buildings is is clearly easier than it's ever been, and you know the re- the really clever bit and the bit that's the hardest to do right is 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 delivering the buildings. Yeah, which is your area, right? Absolutely. Never mind these two. <laughs> You've got the hard job. Charlie, tell me something I don't know. Okay, guy. Um, well, it's something not closely correlated to the industrial sector as such, but I was going to say the UK remains about ninety two percent unbuilt. Um, so for those of us living in the cities and uh, working in the built environment, I think sometimes we forget that we, we live in a, a beautifully green little island. Um, but there are further opportunities out there. I'm not suggesting we're going to concrete over the, the entirety of the UK, um, but plenty more opportunities out there. Gentlemen, thank you very much for that. I think you're all going to shed masters, right? So, so this will no doubt be a topic of conversation down there as well. I think we've covered it reasonably comprehensively in our 20 minutes or so here. Thank you for your time. Thank you very much for your wisdom as well. Uh, that's it for this episode of Real Estate Insights. If all we've done is whetted your appetite for more information, you'll find plenty on the research section of the Savills website, savills.co.uk forward slash research. As I say, that's it for this episode. Thank you very much for listening. See you next time. 
This podcast is for general information only and should not be considered professional advice. Savills accepts no liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect or consequential loss arising from the use of, reference to or reliance on this podcast or its content. Savills makes no warranty as to the accuracy of the information in this podcast. This podcast and all copyright in this podcast is the property of Savills and it shall not be used, reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without Savills' prior written consent.